Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast, where scares and dares episode, where we cover our favorite scare of the week and then provide the NFL bets we dare to make. My name is Akun Wong, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me, as always, my co-host for Scared and Dare, senior staff writer, Joe Anton. How are you? Yeah, <laughs> right, that was only mildly believable. Uh, thanks for trying, though. That's great. Uh, so as, as you already know, we talk about a movie, and we give you our horror movie of the week, and then we give you some, some, uh, some bets that we like to make in the upcoming season. And today, we'll be discussing our new scare of the week, the 2022 movie, You Are Not My Mother, and giving you the bets we dare to make for division winners for the AFC North and NFC North, and that would cover it. I think then we will have covered every division in the NFL coming into the season. Yeah, for the preseason bets. Yeah, that's right. And then, of course, during the regular season, we'll be back to give you those prop bets from week to week. Uh, so stay, stay in tune with that. And without more uh, further say, let's go ahead and get this rolling. All right, we're going to start with our Scare of the Week, the 2022 movie, You Are Not My Mother. That's actually from, it's an Irish movie, actually, so another movie from overseas, abroad, as we like to call it, released in 2022, directed by Kate Dolan, produced by Deidre Levins, and written by Kate Dolan. So, again, as usual, we'll give you a little bit of background here, talk about our things that we like and dislike, and then we'll give you something new this week. Our Scarometer rating, because we found out that, you know, it's hard to tell you how scary we thought it was in just a star rating, but we're going to give you a scare meter rating, and then we're going to give you our star rating as per usual. So let's start with a little bit of background. So this movie actually opens with a flashback scene showing Rita, uh, a woman, a middle-aged woman, taking her infant granddaughter, Char, into the woods. Uh, and Cher. Well, they, they called her Char because it's Charlotte, short for Charlotte. Oh, is this Char? Yeah. It always sounded like Cher. Yeah, well, I know. I mean, the way with the Irish accent, it sounds like Cher. So if you're Irish then the right pronunciation might be Cher. Yeah, yes. But her name is Charlotte, so I've been calling her Char. <laughs> so either way, the protagonist of the movie, otherwise known as Charlotte, now Cher or Char, or both, uh, <laughs> as a baby, is being brought into the woods, and um, Cher's grandmother, uh, Angela, is uh, having an argument with uh, Rita, the grandmother, and in the woods, after she takes the daughter away, uh, she sits the baby on the ground, and he lights a ring of fire around her, and thus a very creepy scene as they go kind of off camera, and you're left to wonder what happens there. But then you go to the present day, and teenage, we'll call Cher, because I guess the Irish, might, I don't want to be inappropriate and improper of, the, of my pronunciation here. So Cher, C-H-A-R, played by Hazel Dupe, lives in a dysfunctional household in North Dublin with her mother, the aforementioned Angela, and grandmother, the aforementioned Rita, and with her uncle, Aaron, who also lives nearby, and Aaron occasionally stops by to check on them since Rita is in poor health, and Angela is perpetually depressed and spends much of her time in bed. So Char, or Cher, attends a girls' Catholic high school, and although doing well academically, she's continuously subject to bullying by the other girls, particularly one named Susan, or Suzanne. <laughs> Susan? I don't yeah. know. Suzanne, I guess. Anyway. It's the week before Halloween, and then one morning, while driving Cher to school, Angela appears to zone out and try to drive straight into a horse in the middle of the street, 
until Cher pulls the wheel and forces them to go off-road. I never really explain why there's a horse in the middle of the road. No. Nor do they explain what she's staring at. But I just think in, in Ireland, there's, there's a horses. lot of random horses. The sense of sand in the middle of the road. Yeah. It seems very unsafe. It seems very unsafe. But uh, Irish horses like being in the road, so that's another takeaway from the movie. Good to know. Uh, anyway, uh, Angela then tells her daughter that, quote, she can't do this anymore, unquote. I, I guess that means drive and dodge horses in the street. I'm not really sure. It's a little unclear what you can't do anymore. Maybe it's driving? I think we know it. It wasn't that. I think it's, it's just, mothering. It's, it's just going, it's just continuing. It's life. It's life. Okay. It's like, she can't do this anymore. She can't just go on this way anymore. Right. Dodging horses in the middle of the street. So her car is later found uh, after school, later found abandoned, uh, with no sign of Angela anywhere. Now, when Angela suddenly returns home to their North Dublin estate the following evening, without explanation, it becomes pretty clear to Cher and her grandmother, Rita, that something is not quite right. She might look and sound the same, but Angela's behavior is becomes increasingly erratic and frightening, as if she has been replaced by a malevolent force. As Halloween approaches, uh, night, of course, as we all know, steeped in ancient Irish myth and legend, Cher must unearth the dark secrets of her family in order to uncover the truth behind her mother's disappearance and save her even if it means potentially losing her forever. Okay, so um, just as a little bit of a background here, uh, and this is not really a spoiler because that part I told you about the malevolent force replacing her mom is actually in the description of the film. So I'm not giving anything away that the director didn't mean to give away. But I will say this, this is a minor spoiler, um, but a lot of this film revolves on the old Irish folklore about changelings. And if you don't know what changelings are, they're generally believed to be a fairy that had been left in place of a human, typically a child, and stolen by other fairies. Now, changeling is, according to Irish folklore, typically identifiable via a number of traits. Um, a fairy child may appear sickly, will not grow in size like a normal child, may have notable physical characteristics such as a beard or long teeth, may also display intelligence far beyond their apparent years, as well as possess uncanny insight. And a common way that a changeling could be identified or identifies itself is by displaying unusual behavior, they, state, they call it, uh, when, they're, when they think they're alone, such as jumping around, dancing, or playing an instrument. None of those things sound unusual <laughs> for a child, but okay. Uh, apparently, well, that's unusual in Ireland. don't play an instrument. Well, I, I don't know. If I, if I had a child who was like, you know, thought they were alone and was playing an instrument, I'd be like, bravo, well done. <laughs> I just must be stage fright because you obviously taught yourself to play an instrument. But certainly jumping around and dancing um, sounds pretty normal uh, behavior, but apparently that is a changeling in Ireland. And a human child allegedly might be taken uh, for a number of reasons, including uh, to act as a servant, out of just pure malice, or just to have the child love them. Apparently that's a big deal in Ireland. So a lot of the um, backstory here, doesn't they don't actually say it so much outright, but Rita, the grandmother, alludes to it, that it's kind of based on this Irish folklore of changeling. So very interesting aspect of it. So, Joanne, what do you think about this movie, um, You Are Not My Mother? Uh, I don't know. It was good, not great for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I liked the premise better than um, the actual movie because we did dive into the Irish folklore of Changeling. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And after we discussed the Irish folklore of why changelings were even a thing. Why, 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 why they became a folklore. Yeah. Right. I mean, 
then, you know, we kind of was able to connect the dots a little, which made the movie more interesting. But, like, it wasn't really horror for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably more on the suspenseful side. Yeah, it was tense. I thought it was tense. I didn't think it was that tense. Um, But I'm not going to say why it wasn't that tense, because then... You know, that might steer you in the wrong direction of what this movie is. Well, but, I mean, um, it could be many things. I think they leave a lot of things open for interpretation. But, but regardless, like, uh, yeah, I, I like the the premise right. better than I think the movie. But the movie was not a bad movie. It was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, so what um, Joanne's referring to is that we had looked into this a little bit about the history behind Changelings. And folklorist C.L. Ashelman actually noted that changeling lore developed in part due to family survival in pre-industrial Europe. Uh, For instance, uh, peasant families' subsistence frequently depended upon the productivity and the labor of each member of the family, and it was difficult to provide for a person who was a permanent drain on the family's scarce resources, even if it was a child. Um, So oftentimes, um, tragically, the family would turn to infanticide and they would blame it on it being a changeling. Right, so, like it's not my child. Right, it's not my child. So it's almost like um, a little bit of a um, psychological break so they can protect themselves from the, the horrors of actually... What they were doing. Yeah, of, of getting with their own child. But also I think it was an excuse, kind of a built-in excuse, getting some sort of social traction so people around your community would be like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're, you're, you did the right thing. Right. You're, that child was dancing and singing uh, in, on eating their own, too much. eating too much, and um, was acting very weird and was wise beyond its years, uh, was acting too adult, and so, therefore, we need to get rid of it because it's a changeling. Right. Um, so certainly that's part of it, and I think if you work that into the storyline, it, it does develop some theories as to the kind of overall story arc, you right. know, why the characters did certain things. Right. Like with why, why um, Cher was initially uh, brought into the woods and set on fire, yep. as well as why, you know, the grandmother had these suspicions about the mother, her daughter. About Angela. Yeah. Right. Exactly. After she came back. Exactly. And, and, they, and they really put in your face a lot of the stereotypes you think about, the cha- about changelings, right? The mother was acting very, very weird. Well, suddenly, you know, the, it's, it's, it's obvious that the mother, Cher's mother, suffers from bouts of depression. Right. And I guess in this particular, where the movie takes place, she's been in a very long bout where her grandmother is the initial caregiver to Cher. Right. And so you see when she comes back, suddenly she's out of her depression. Yes. She is just very happy. She has a big appetite. Right. She's dancing again. And these are things that she did when Cher was younger. Right. So it's not so... Well, not to this extent, though. I right. Don't think. It's, it's not so out of the usual, but it's like now the grandmother thinks like something is not right. Right. Although the movie does go out of its way in the middle of the movie to make it very blatant, clear blatant. that the mother is weird. Yes. <laughs> something it goes... Is, it goes it's, it definitely like it doesn't hide it. No, like, no it, is, end, it is not just, subtle. It is it not subtle like, at all. Peels that banana peel. But, but I do love like the other characters. So I mentioned that she had Suzanne, the uh, kind of initial bully, um, so antagonist almost, and how it kind of switches over time. And this is not again not not a, a big spoiler alert issue, but you know she does get to know the bully better. And of course, as the mom becomes more of the antagonist, they start to get closer. And I think I like that kind of story arc for her, mm-hmm. um, you know, because they get a little bit deeper as to why the this 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 girl Suzanne becomes a bully and why she is the way she is, and a little bit about 
how she gets along with her other friends and how she gets along and why she has feels there's a connection between her and Cher. So yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. I like that. But it was, again, more of a drama uh, than it was. Suspenseful yeah. horror. Right. All right. Well, speaking of which, let's go ahead and give you what, uh, what Rotten Tomatoes says. So Rotten Tomatoes, according to its critics, gave it an 89% on the tomato meter. Uh, critics' consensus is smartly creepy. You Are Not My Mother engages with a number of thought-provoking themes about sacrificing chills. I think you would disagree. It seems like they have sacrificed chills in your, <laughs> in your mind, but they certainly have engaged with a number of thought-provoking themes. Audience score, strangely, quite a bit lower at 48%. So it's, very interesting. It's a type of movie that critics love. Yeah, uh, I can agree with that. Uh, okay, so we have this new scarometer uh, from 1 to 10, 1 being um, not scary like an episode of Pokemon and 10 being scary like watching The Ring on steroids in an empty movie theater, which is actually how we watched The Ring, not on steroids, but in an empty movie theater, <laughs> uh, which was pretty creepy. Maybe mushrooms would be better. Mushrooms in an empty movie theater? Yeah, because yeah. then you might actually see. Uh, spoil- and, and by the way, if we're spoiling The Ring by telling you that something comes out of the screen after you, then that's on you because that movie's been out freaking forever. Uh, that is on you. You should have already watched it by now. Uh, certainly mushrooms would have made that more real. Yeah. But the empty movie theater is certainly creepy. So one to 10, one being the uh, not scary at all, 10 being very, very scary. What would you give this on the scare meter? Three. Three. Okay. So you thought not scary, basically not really scary. Not really scary, no. Yeah. I would give it about a five because I think that it was very tense and there are aspects of it with kind of, it's not necessarily jump scares so much, but there were jump scares based around the sound editing and based around certain imagery around the mother, which I thought that was uh, was pretty well done and pretty well cut. I mean, towards the end, uh, you do see there is some imagery. There's not much in the beginning. No. It, it all kind of filters out at the end. Um, but at the same time, not that scary. Yeah, I think I, I But I don't know I if agree. you want to go by me because I, I don't, think I don't scare easily. That's but true. You, you do scare easily. Well, I just so like it. jump scares. <laughs> I think jump scares are great. And there were a couple of well-edited jump scares based on the audio and the visual. And I, I thought they did a pretty decent job. Of that. But the I overall mean, the story. Music, the music was done really good. It yes. created a very a very ominous. Yes. Ominous vibe, like throughout the entire movie. The, the soundtrack was very well done. Yeah. The sound editing and soundtrack yeah, was yeah, also very, very well done. I thought it really, it really fit the mood. Yeah. But again, the, again, not scary. We took the music out of it, and it would have lost all sense yeah. of uh, tension. I think. Yeah. So well done on the movie. Okay, so let's go with the star rating, zero to four. What are you gonna give this? Two. Two stars. Yeah. Huh. All That's right. Good. Not great. Okay. Good night, great. Good night, great. I actually liked it. I'm going to give it three stars. I'm I thought, going to be like the average viewer. You're going to be like the critic. Well, I'm just saying that, yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I, I do think that there were a lot of aspects of this that, uh, that generally led to thought and generally leads you to discuss it. And, and diving into the folklore really did give it a lot of meaning. Now, that being said, if we That's didn't. That's why I gave it a two, because but if, of the folklore. But if we yeah. didn't dive it into the folklore, I, I think we still would have been an interesting story to discuss because there is the mother-daughter-grandmother aspect to yeah. it, you know, that yeah. kind of social dynamic um, that it could be commenting on here. Yeah. So I think that that is yeah, interesting. Yeah, it is. I don't disagree. It is a good movie that stirs a lot of discussion. And, like, you know, in the end, I think there is only one conclusion, though. Yeah, I guess, well, of course. They don't, they, they, they do, they don't really, uh, they don't make the ending um necessarily up for right. interpretation. Right. You, you can't, you, there would be nobody that would think anything otherwise after seeing the movie. Like, well, it could have been this. Well, well, no, I'm just, but it could have been just, you know, um, again, it may not have actually happened, right? It could have been something that was just by, um, just, just a metaphorically happened. You know what I mean? Like the physical, 
that we've seen maybe it's to be metaphorical. No, we can't always say that about everything. I think I can say that about everything. I will say that about everything. Okay, Scarabeater. Joanne gives it a three. I give it a five out of ten stars. Uh, Joanne gives it two. I give it three. So go ahead and give it a watch if you like. It's available on Hulu, and it is a brisk one hour and 33 minutes. You know how we love brisk movies. They're great. One hour and 33 minutes on Hulu, so go ahead and give it a check out, and let's move on to the next part of our show. So let's turn to the bets that we dare to make for the AFC North and AFC, AFC North and NFC North division champions in the 2022 regular season. We'll start with the AFC North, of course. Uh, right now, looking at the current odds, uh, according to Caesars and William Hill, uh, Baltimore Ravens are favored as division winners at plus 155. The Cincinnati Bengals next at plus 180. Then the Cleveland Browns at plus 300. And the Pittsburgh Steelers bringing up the rear at plus 1,000. Joanne, who do you got in the AFC North? I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals for plus 180. Okay. I think we agreed on this one. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah. So, um, a healthy Joe Burrow took the team all the way to the Super Bowl last yep. season. Did. Although they did lose to the L.A. Rams. Yep. But this upcoming season, I don't think Cincinnati is going to disappoint. Yep. Um, the defense sat kind of in the middle of the pack last season. So, it's no surprise that Cincinnati spent a lot of their draft picks shoring up their defense. Mm-hmm. Like the first second and third round were all defensive players, safety, quarterback, defensive tackle. There you go. Yep. Offensively, the Bengals really didn't change anything. They still got Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. Yep. And uh, they did add Hayden Hurst yep. from Atlanta. So uh, Joe Burrow, if he stays healthy, there he is. Uh, but not only that, though, uh, they also really tried to fix that offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, sacked 51 times last year, Joe Burrow. Yep. Still made it to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. but they've uh, picked up a lot of, um, I think, people they believe would really kind of sure get up their offensive line for Joe Burrow mm-hmm. to give him that extra time. Uh, they got a guard, Alex Kappa. They got um, off of Tampa Bay. They got Leo Collins, the tackle from Dallas. I mean, they just. They want to make sure that he's safe. He doesn't get injured, and he has the time to do what he needs to do. Right, right. So I don't see how there could be any other team that's going to take the division. But it's, it might be close, but I, I, I'm I, going to give it to Cincinnati. They're going to get, like, a double-digit win season. This right. Season. In addition to um, Alex Kappa and Leo Collins, they also got a new – they got center uh, Ted Karras there as well that they got so that's obviously they did that was the one main issue i think in last season was the offensive line you know i I think joe burrow unquestionably is a top 10 quarterback now but he was running for his life a lot but he did a pretty good job well and part of that was because of um you know like as you mentioned chase higgins and boyd being a fantastic trio of receivers and i think it shouldn't be overlooked though that cj uzoma uh, is no longer there Uh, so Hayden Hurst, a great replacement for him, because I don't think everybody remembers how much we were high on Hayden Hurst two years ago. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, CJ Uzoma was obviously a veteran, veteran, and uh, was very supportive of Joe Burrow. And you can't put a price on that. So it'll be interesting to see if that has any impact or not. But Hayden Hurst, certainly from a skill standpoint, a good uh, fit for the tight end position. Don't forget also uh, Joe Mixon. You know, they had Joe Mixon on offense. Obviously, a premier running back there added on to that fantastic receiver core and upgraded uh, offensive line. I totally agree 
that it's uh, it's a really good look for the Cincinnati Bengals and of course those draft picks including Daxon Hill and Cam Taylor in uh, for the defense. So certainly uh, looking up for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now I, the only other team here that you know I'm looking at are the Ravens and of course the Ravens are favorite at plus yeah. 155. But I you know I feel like you know I say they're a solid team with a chance every year and every year they disappoint me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now without Marquise Brown, I'm really not sure how they can get any more run heavy than they already are. And, and I don't see any other option for them but to go even more run heavy. And I just don't see that being a winning formula for the Baltimore Ravens. But, you know, who knows? They, that will be a close one for me. We'll see how that develops as the season goes on. The Browns at plus 300, I just – there's too much of a question mark. Yeah, you, know? you don't know what's going on Exactly. There. If Deshaun Watson misses only six games, as currently expected, uh, then I'd like the th- plus 300 odds. I think that's a fantastic uh, bet to make. But the NFL has appealed that and wants a full year. And, they, and, and honestly, uh, compared to the other suspensions that we've seen, he should get at least a full year. He should. And, um, and that's why I can't support the Browns. Right. I mean, I like the, the, the whole Baker Bayfield incident. And yeah. I just I just hope they tank this year. Well, they may have no choice but to tank. Um, so I, I really do think that plus 300 is too much to ask for in its current environment. Uh, and it's unlikely that I think it's unlikely that Sean Watson will play any games this year. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, any, any regular season games, right? Year, yeah, of course. So there you go. Uh, so there you go. We both agree for the That's one of the few times. Cincinnati Bengals at plus one eighty. I love the payout too because yeah. I'm not even favored. No, no. So I love the payout. It's of interesting that Baltimore is favored. I agree. Yeah. That is very interesting. All right, let's go ahead and move to the other side and talk about the NFC North. And according to Caesars and William Hill. Green Bay Packers are favored at minus 170 to win the NFC North next season. The Minnesota Vikings are next at plus 250. The Detroit Lions at plus 900. And the Chicago Bears at plus 1,300. Yikes. Okay. So who do you got here in the NFC North, Joanne? So this one, um, I hate to make this pick for the preseason, not just because of the odds, but because the team itself. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm going to have to go with Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, negative 170. Right. Uh, yuck. Okay. But, I mean, uh, just taking the division, I just don't see any other team that can do it. I mean, just I don't trust Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, okay. the Lions. You know, I want to do the Bears, but you said that was crazy. Well, and I'm a Bears fan. Yeah. And I'm not even that optimistic. Right. You told me I was like, no. I mean, so – I I have to, you know, even though the payout is small, I have to go with the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers has lost Devontae Adams yeah. and Marquise Valdez-Gantling uh, Gantling yep. to Kansas City. Um, so what does he have out there? Well, you know, like the Packers know that they lost those two players, so they did draft um, a wide receiver, Christian Watson, in the second round. Mm-hmm. And they did bring back Randall Cobb. Uh-huh. Uh, Roger still has Alan Lazard. Yep. Uh, who had like a, a great season last year. Well, I mean, eight season. touchdowns. Okay, well, he, he scored, a lot. He yeah. scored a lot. He scored a lot. He didn't have a lot of yards, but he had yeah. like eight touchdowns. Okay. Um, only 513 um, yards, but like even that was really good for him in right. his career. Right, right. And um, and he has uh, Robert Tanya. Right, who we were really high uh, on last year, and he didn't really Well, develop. he was injured. Yeah. He was injured, so he didn't play a lot. So, I mean, with those things, you got, you know, if you have everyone healthy, you have everyone there. And they also signed Sammy Watkins, which, you know, Sammy Watkins has not been productive no. um, in <laughs> several years. Right. I mean, like, 
you know, not since he's with, been with Buffalo. Right, right. So, right. I mean, that's like, you don't know what's going to happen. But, but he doesn't have to be the man. Right. right. I mean, he could be a guy. decoy. Yeah. And as long as he could catch the ball and move the ball a few yards, like, that's what you need. Right. So, um, and, and so, like, he does have options, is what oh, I'm saying. Right. He does have options. Right. And not only that, but Green Bay still has their backfield. They still have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. So, you know, he, they still have that run option okay. that Rodgers could rely on. And as for defense, um, you know, they, you know, they're saying that, like, Green Bay has really, like, topped off their defense this year. Okay. Like, uh, you know, like analysts are saying that they might be like, you know, top five defense, which wow. I don't really know if that's true. Right. Um, but I know that a lot of teams now rely on their defense scoring. Right. I mean, like last year, like I don't know how many defensive touchdowns there. I mean, there were a lot. Quite a few. A lot. Yep. I mean, I don't know if you can count on it, but yes, having the defense that can do it is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but not just that, but interceptions. I mean, you're just talking like the entire gamut. It's like, it's very, you know, if you could get a defense that could do that, it's, it puts you in a really good place. So we have that going on for them as well. Okay. So, I mean, just all in, I just don't see, you know, what other team could do this. I mean, like, they were 13-4 and four last year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, no other team was even close. It, it wasn't like, the you know, the AFC North where all the teams were very close. Right. It wasn't even like they just blew everyone out of the water. Yeah. And none of the teams really changed all that much for the top, for the, for the good to, like, to really just take them over. Unless something happens to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like his receivers all, you know, get, you know, get a, like torn ACL or an MCL. Yeah. I like, I don't know, break an arm. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I just don't see it. He happening. does make the best of what he has, but I'm going to disagree a little bit here because I'm going to say that Devontae Adams means more to him than we all know. And I think that Devontae Adams leaving Green Bay, and I, I know that he has other options, but they're really essentially no name options in my book. The Vikings, I think now have the most potent offense in the NFC North. I really do. Because, I mean, if you look at it... But they, they have, do have a lesser quarterback, though. But let's, let's hear me out here, though. They have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. They, they're at least in the top five in terms of receiving talents in the NFL. And they have tight end Irv Smith Jr., who had kind of a injury-impacted season, but was a very high... Pro, was definitely a guy that we're all looking at very closely at the beginning of last year. And he's coming back, theoretically, for, for week one. So I like that. And, of course, Dalvin Cook. I mean, Dalvin Cook is, has been huge. Uh, he's a huge problem for opposing defenses, both on the ground and through the air. And I think that, you know, there's a new head coach in town, Kevin O'Connell. His playbook is certainly more dynamic for the Vikings than it was under Mike Zimmer, as can be seen in the last three years as offensive coordinator for the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. And I can see some of that offense being instilled in Minnesota. I can see him moving Cook all over the field to get him involved. I can see a lot more. Um, of uh, really um, downfield plays. And, and, of course, if you have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen there. Now, of course, the big question, as you raised, is what about the quarterback, <laughs> right? I mean, um, Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. He's paid like a, 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 a premier quarterback. He may not be one. But I think you put enough uh, weapons around somebody, and they will be able to produce. I think the biggest problem, the biggest question of the Vikings is their defense. Their defense last season was a real wreck. And, and, and primary reason of it was, was basically Zimmer and his, his defense. And quite frankly, that's part of the reason why he got his walking papers this year. Uh, the Vikings definitely addressed that issue. They added they former Broncos yeah. uh, defensive coordinator Ed Donatel. 
He switched from a 4-3 defense, which Minnesota's had for decades, mm-hmm. to a 3-4 defense. Yep. He's presumably looking to rely on a very talented group of linebackers and linemen to keep pressure on opposing offenses. The Vikings had five players who started in 2021 season opener listed among the 11 first-teamers on defense. So they've completely revamped this defense. Those five players are Dalvin Tomlinson, Daniel Hunter, Eric Kendricks, Patrick Peterson, and Harrison Smith. And then the Vikings then moved on to strengthen their defensive core with the additions of nose tackle Harrison Phillips, linebacker Jordan Hicks, and they bolstered their pass rush with the signing of Zadarius Smith. So really, there's a lot of reasons here to be optimistic about the Vikings' defensive system. And if they get that righted, I don't see why they can't take the NFC North with the weekend Packers out of front. Uh, and, and plus, I love the payout. Plus 250. Love that I, I do like the payout. And you're right. Like, uh, that's, like, analysts have said, like, not only did Green Bay really shore up their defense, the Vikings did as well. Right. I mean, they just spent a ton of draft picks yep. on defense. They sure did. You know, just, uh, it's just, just like, like the amazing. Packers, yeah, Just like yeah. the Packers, yeah. They knew that it was a trouble spot for both the teams, and both the teams did what they needed to do. So it's going to be really interesting. When we watch them um, this season, I think they're 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 gonna play um, each other twice. First of yeah, all, <laughs> but what is it? Is it the third week? Uh, I am unclear yeah. as to when that will be, but it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be sometime during the they're definitely playing twice during the season. Yeah. Um, so it'll be so really it would be an interesting. I think that will really say. Looks like they will be playing on September 11th. So that looks like um, that might be week one. Is that week one? Yeah, at least so. Packers at Vikings. So I guess we'll get a a read on that real soon. (laughs) All right, guys. That's all the time we got. So I'm going to hit the air horn on the show. Uh, So just so you know, just to recap there, NFC North, uh, Joanne has the Green Bay Packers at minus 170. I have the Minnesota Vikings at plus 250. All right, Joanne, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you? At Kung Fu for you on Twitter. All right. At Kung Fu for you on Twitter. Go ahead and follow her and get all that great uh, Twitter banter. And you can find me on Twitter.